Hey men, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's up, guys? You no. are I'm not doing what you said you would do. No, I just I, I want to catch you off guard. I, I want to do it when you least expect it, when you just are not ready for it. But I believe if we backed up and could go back to last week's episode, that you said next week I will bring... The, did I commit to it? I think you did. Okay. All right. I think you did. Okay. I'm, but before we get to, and, and we've got one more <laughs> guest. He's, he's in, just in, sitting over here by right, the microphone. He's just like, chilling. Ah. And we'll get there in just a second. But Kellen, I, I feel like, so my mom listens to these. Yeah. And not all of them. There's some that I call and I'm like, hey, mom, maybe don't listen to this week's episode. <laughs> but uh, she listened to our last one and she called me out this week. She said, PJ, you were so rude to Kellen ah, in, in the yeah. open for giving you grief for being late. You were, uh, you were, and I I cried about it afterwards. So uh, here I am to apologize to you. Will you forgive me, Kellen? Uh, Of course I will. Okay, that's what. And I'll just be transparent with. I I think I was running a little behind today, but it was for good reasons. Dude, I didn't even bring that up. I I am. See, I'm being. Yeah, but it was for good, good, good biblical reasons, and hopefully eternal changing reasons for. Somebody, right? But anyway, so we're good though. Like we're we've good. reconciled. Yeah, okay, I, so. I already cried those tears, and I, okay. I'm good now. But I, I love your mom even well, more because she was concerned for yeah, me. Yeah, Dorothy was concerned for you. Thank so you, there Dorothy. you go. Can't wait to see you again. There you go. All right. <laughs> well, hey, we do have another guest in studio, and that is somebody that you guys are familiar with. We've got Brandon Meller. That that was awesome. I wish I wish y'all could experience what I just got to witness firsthand. The back and forth. You know the. Just, just the the camaraderie, the brotherhood here that I saw. It was really nice. Yeah, well, you were, you were sitting by the mic for like 10 yeah. seconds I'm just, awkwardly. I'm like, uh, 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 is it my turn? Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? Unscripted. Yeah. Unscripted. That's what you get here with Quality Manhood. Hey, today is, uh, as we're recording this, March 25th. And if you guys listen to this when it drops, it's going to be March 26th. And uh, if you've been paying attention to the trend, um, probably over the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it seems like every day has something about it that's significant anymore. It's like national this day, national that day. Uh, Today is National Lobster Newberg Day. Now, time for uh, transparency. I I have no idea what that is. Do you guys? guys, I I had to Google it. Did did. you Google it? I did. It's a seafood dish. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't. Mr. Florida, you should know this. Hey, everybody. We're not eating lobster Newberg in Florida. I'll tell you that right now. Well, and in fairness to Brandon, it did originate in New York, and it originated in New York in 1876. Yeah, I I wasn't born yet. (laughs) And <laughs> we're <laughs> thank you for clarifying. Dude, <laughs> Dude, also, I think lobster Newberg is a little bit um, classier than any of the three of us, right? 100%. I don't even know how to spell it, right? Like Newberg, New- like what do Newberg. you? I thought it was a guy at first, honestly. When, yeah. when, you, when we when we were talking about what is today, I'm like, yeah. Oh, who's he? He, he? he met the lobster. I I don't know. Yeah, it's way too fancy. Let me read it to you what it is, okay? It's this American seafood dish made from lobster, butter, cream, cognac, sherry, and eggs with a secret ingredient found to be cayenne pepper. Wow. Dish was invented by Ben Wenberg, a sea captain in the fruit trade. Wenberg, not even Newberg. I know. Wenberg. I, 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 yeah, so that's well, that's according to Wikipedia, so it could be completely wrong, everything I just read. Yeah. So last night, I took my wife out, and we went to Ruth's Chris because we had gift cards. Wow. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm. Gift cards. Yeah, they don't serve lobster Newberg, though. No, so they're not that big time. Um, but yeah, we had gift cards, so I got out for twenty two bucks at Ruth's Chris. <laughs> so no, that was a side dish. That's a win, right? There. Right, that itself. is yeah. that is a win. But uh, no lobster Newberg there. Um, yeah, and then tomorrow, which is 
today, if you're listening to this when it drops, March 26th, which they tell you all the time, hey, you know what you shouldn't do with your podcast is date, date. them. Mm. So we do it too much, we've too just, often. Just walked all over that rule right. right now. But tomorrow is National Nougat Day. Nougat. Yep. Nougat. I, I was thinking nugget, like McDonald's nuggets, but you nope. said nougat. But there probably is. I'm Brandon, sure can you look yeah, up and I'll see if there's a National that. Nugget Day? Of course there is. Because I want to know. I mean, if there's not, we can just make it. We can we can just declare. I mean, we might as well. Okay. That's so the ability. You, oh, wait, too late. November 13th. Oh, man. National That's so far Chicken away. Nuggets Day. Okay. But, okay, so I'm getting these. You're wondering, man, how do these guys know about all these days? So there's a calendar, the nationaldaycalendar.com nationaldaycalendar.com there i just uh, guaranteed that you'll waste about 10 or 15 minutes yeah. at some point in your day today <laughs> yeah. um but you can submit your own day you oh. can register a national day Amazing. yourself are there which, still open dates throughout the year i there i don't know be. but there it's is. like you know how you can buy a star for your loved one yeah it's like you can give a national day to your loved yeah, one you can that's very nice here's your national yeah. day yeah that's nice yeah all you marketing people out there don't don't do the thing where you post like Hey, on behalf of our company that sells paper, we're celebrating National Lobster Newberg Day today with a social media post. You don't need to hop on that. Right. Don't do it. Right. Just don't do it. Or, or Nas- National Nougat Day. I mean, like, how do you even celebrate that? Like, go buy a Snickers? I, yeah. You yeah. Could. You could. yeah. There's different kinds of nougats. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Please explain since you're here. There's white nougat, which we won't spend too much time talking wow, about. Wow. Did this just... Yeah. It's... Right. Um, and then there's brown nougat. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's German nougat. So there you go. <laughs> the Germans uh, get yeah. their own. They get yeah, their own. Fine, yeah. Fine. It's, uh, yeah. You're not white. You're not brown. You're German. Yeah. You're just yeah. your own class. But it seems like everything has a label. And even the other day, I was listening to a hockey game, and there was a commercial that came on, and it was about National Gender Equality Month. They said, celebrate national, gender, national can't that word, it. Gender Equality Month with us in April. And I, I just thought to myself, man, I, can't I just celebrate April? Because we have March is National Women's History Month, and then in February is National Black History Month, and then it's like everything has to have a cause or a label, and it's crept into Christianity too, hasn't it? Yeah. What are some ways that that this whole label craze has has crept into the church? Well, I'll, I'll just say right off the bat, I mean, going back to marketing and social media stuff, you're starting to see more and more people who are influential people in you know, the Christian world feeling it you know necessary to speak on things that maybe they mm. don't need to speak on I, mm-hmm. I think there's a you know one of those aspects they're like well I need to say something you know I, I we haven't said anything we better say something and, and a lot of times what the, what is said is not ex- not widely accepted or it goes the opposite of what they may have intended so I, I think we're seeing a lot more of that right, right. now especially um, as people go to social media they record themselves they post things and they're like they think they're hopping on this bandwagon and saying what they're supposed to say but more often than not, it's the opposite of that. Right, or it's redundant and obvious, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's what our, our senior pastor here, his kind of approach is, look, you want me to get up and say racism is bad? R- racism is bad. But shouldn't we understand that? Like, yeah. can't we preach God's word and do what the church needs to do and have that be part of our, our messaging that we're, we're going to hate what God hates and love what God loves? And, and certainly God is not in favor of racism or, you know, any of these other isms that are out there that, that everybody wants to make a cause. Um, yeah, I mean... Men, we should not sit here and say, well, well, my identity is that I'm a woke Christian. Or you shouldn't sit here and say, my identity is that I'm a, an unwoke Christian. I'm a sleeping Christian, Sleep, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sleeping, uh, slumbering. Yeah, that sounds better. I'm a slumbering Christian. Or, you know, to say, Kellen, you to say, I'm a black Christian, or me to say, I'm a white Christian, or somebody to say, I'm an Asian Christian, or a political Christian, right? I, those things, it's it's... 
it's baggage that, it, well, it's, right. it's really parasites that are yeah. latching onto our, what our true identity should be. And it's sucking the life out of what our true identity should be because we're becoming distracted and we're becoming less fruitful and less impactful in what we need to really be about. Kellen, what is our main identity? What should our main identity be? Christ and Christ alone. And that's it. And we need to be focused on that and not adding adjectives to it. Even as you say it, one of the other big things we think about is, you know, social justice right now. No, the Bible talks about justice and and justice. That's it. We don't need social justice. We don't need this justice. We don't need that. It's just justice. We don't need this type of Christian. It's just Christianity. It's just following Christ. It's just what the Bible is telling us to do. And we have a tendency to want to... um, put things out there that are new and trendy, that are catchy, that say that, you know, this is the latest and greatest. And it's like, no, we need to stick to the foundational Christianity. What the Bible calls us to do is be followers of of Jesus Christ and follow Christ and, you know, not follow Christ uh, at a level that is, you know, there's a varsity level of following Christ. There's a JV, there's a friend. No, there's one follower of Christ and that's it. And so too many times we try to break it down and try to have these specific causes that we can rally behind as opposed to saying, what does God's word say? And let's just hang on that because that is sufficient. That is enough. Right. And, and to say though, our identity is in Christ for the men that are listening and for us sitting here around this table, right? I mean, that's, we can nod our heads in agreement with that and kind of give the, the, the Christian amen, you know, kind of <clears throat> the, like, yeah, that, that resonates with me. You're right. My identity is in Christ and that needs to be what, what brands me. But that can also be pretty amorphous too. I mean, that can be left open to, okay, so what does that really mean? All right, great, Kellen. I'm, I'm good with that. My identity is in Christ. Now I'm going to go about the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why we do this podcast, right, is we want to get into the, the kitchens of the men that are listening, so to speak, and give them some practical, tangible things to take and say, okay, I need to change this about my life, or I need to increase this about my life. So we want to do that in the rest of this episode, talking about what does it look like for us to make Jesus our target in life? Um, it's not anything else that you that's your target. Your aim in life is to be like Jesus. That is... Uh, not just number one, that's everything. Uh, it's, I remember somebody talking about priorities at one point in time and saying, uh, so often we talk about our priorities and we say, well, it's God first and then. And it's as soon as you say, and then, we've made a mistake right. because God is not something that we finish with on our daily priority list. Jesus, pursuing Jesus is not something that you do in isolation from your marriage or in isolation from your relationship with your uh, boss and your coworkers or your kids or your neighbors, or you are pursuing Jesus in every single relationship that you have. So we want to talk about a little bit about what that means. And the best way to do that to begin is to, to start with looking at well, who was Jesus? What characterized Christ? And uh, in, in the current culture, landscape, society, where there's so much tension and so much unrest and so much division and so much hatred and animosity, I think the, the first thing that I want to talk about with us uh, during this, this time here is the idea that Jesus was compassionate, that Jesus was compassionate. Brandon, what does that look like? What does that mean when we say that Jesus was compassionate? Well, yeah, we see, you know, we see Jesus, you know, reclining at table with sinners and, and, and interacting with sinners. And, and, you know, we have, you know, people calling him out for that, but he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm here, you know, to, I'm here for these people. I'm not here for the ones who are already, you know, aligned with me. I'm here to go out and, and, and rescue the, the lost. Right. And, and for us as men, I mean, I think we need to have that aspect when we're, 
you know, it's easy to get so angry about all this stuff that's going on, but be angry at the sin, be angry at the, the situation, not the people, be angry that, hey, I need to, I need to get up and, and get out and go evangelize people and talk to people and point them to Christ and, and, and give them a Bible or take them to breakfast, talk to them. I mean, you know, that, those are things that we as men need to be doing. We need to emulate a lot of that and have that compassion because it's so easy to go about our day and just, you kind of, you know, people are just people. We go past them, we interact with people in the supermarket or at the gas station or wherever. And those are souls. Those, right. are, those are soul, you know, image bearers of God, you know, no matter what they believe in. And so we need to have that compassion for, for others. And we see that, you know, as, as the model of, of how Christ lived on, in his earthly ministry. Right. And even his willingness to, to meet tangible needs, which I think is something that as a church, we look at and we go, oh, well, you know, I need to preach the gospel and not be distracted by you know, meeting the, the needs or, or to care about the poor is automatically social justice. I don't think we can make that one-for-one one correlation. I mean, think about when the, the, the crowds gathered to follow Jesus and they got hungry. And what did Jesus say? He didn't look at them and be like, oh, you guys go out and find some food. He actually turned to his disciples and he said, hey, give them something to eat. And his disciples look at him dumbfounded, thinking to themselves, what? How are we going to do yeah. that? Do you not see the number of people? We've got two loaves and a couple of fish. And then we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus feeds them, but he's meeting their needs. He's patient with them. He's engaging with them. Um, so, I mean, so interesting. Even when you consider, and I think it's in Mark's gospel where you've got the widow's son who dies. And as they're, they're carrying him out to the, the place of burial, Jesus comes upon the scene and he stops and he goes up to her. And he, it says in the text, he gives her son back to her. That compassion, you know, in that moment where Jesus didn't have to do that. And he did it. And he, he, he did it because he loved her. He did it because he cared for her. Um, you know, Jesus was certainly compassionate. Uh, Kellen, John 13, we get this amazing scene, right? With Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. Talk us through that. And, and as we're talking about Jesus being compassionate specifically there, what is, what is something there that should stand out to us? So in John 13, we see that Jesus is here. He's, he's washing the disciples' feet. And you can even just even read it. They're, they're throwing off. He's like, what, what are you doing? Uh, and Jesus tells him, he says, what I'm doing, you do not, not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And he gets to that point towards the end of the chapter where, where he gives this commandment and he talks to him in John 13, 34. He says, I give a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And then he finishes off by saying, it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we look at that and, and uh, you know, our natural instincts is to try to quantify what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Do we read X amount in the DBR or do I pray two times a day, five times a day, whatever that is? And, and Christ makes it simple here. You're known as my disciples if you have love for one another. So our love for one another should be different from the rest of the world. We should love people because Christ first loved us, and we should be pouring that love out um, to others um, that are around us for 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 no reasons that they possibly can't understand. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that um, irritate us, that frustrate us, that you know we we would not like to love if, if it was our choice, but that's not what Christ commands us to do. He commands us to love because through that love, we're able to share Christ with people. We're able to give them that, uh, that love that he showed us um, to others. And so that's where when we talk about this new commandment, when we talk about what it means to be a Christian, it's not checking the box and saying, um, I do X, I do Y, whatever it is. It's 
focusing on that, that love aspect. And sometimes that can get a little um, squishy, for lack of better words, and we try to make that to what we want to make it, but we need to understand what the Bible calls love to be um, and be able to pursue that and define love that way, not how we want to define it. Right. I mean, men, are, Jesus is asked the question by the, the expert in the law, what's the greatest commandment? And he says this, he says, love God with everything. And then he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and even there, and we're seeing what he's talking about in John 13, 35 there, when he says, look, the defining characteristic of a Christian is that you have love for one another. Why? Because that's going to overflow naturally from your love for the Lord, your love for God. So men, ha- being compassionate like Christ was compassionate, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, but also loving the lost. Um, you know, I keep going back to the line. It's a, it's in one of the Getty songs that, that says, look, our, our call to war is to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And I think too often we get that backwards. Like Paul says in the, the Armor of God passage, he says, look, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, man, you, your battle is not against your political enemies. Your battle is not against those that believe differently than you, think differently than you, look differently than you. Y- your battle is against the spiritual forces at work in this present darkness. Y- you need to love those that are are lost and feel a compassion towards them. Like Jesus felt compassion towards the crowds that were like sheep without a shepherd and move towards them because he wanted to see them saved, right? Man, do you want to see the lost in your life saved? Uh, that needs to be part of our, our our drive to be like Jesus, to be identified with Christ. Second thing though, not just was Jesus compassionate, but uh, Jesus was driven. Jesus was driven and he had one goal really about his entire life. Uh, John five nineteen, Jesus says this, Jesus says to the crowd, truly, truly, I say to you, The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Brandon, what would you say Jesus' one drive was during his his earthly ministry? Obedience. Obedience. Obedience to God, right? And and that's what we need to have. And and that obedience needs to be reflective in all that we do, how we treat our wives, how we treat our kids, uh, the, the priority we place on going to church on the weekends, not letting our extracurricular activities get in the way of that. Um, again, how we're treating people, how we're loving people, how we see the loss, you know, and um, that obedience, we, we can do that. Obviously, we're not going to, we're not in the same situation that, that Christ is in. And, you know, um, but we, we do have an op- you know, opportunity to, you know, to follow God's commands for us and, and to let that reflect in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Even uh, Luke twenty two forty two, 42, um, Jesus is in the garden and it's a, it's a familiar scene for us. But you see the humanity of Christ there as he's anticipating the cross, as he's anticipating not just the pain of physical pain of the cross, but the that unqualified or unquantifiable pain for us, which is the suffering or the wrath of God for our sin. And he's anticipating that. And he calls out just even in his humanity there, he says, father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then Jesus follows that up with, but not my will, but your will be done. And man, that drive to obey God, that drive to submit to his direction, his will, no matter what is part of what it means to be like Jesus. Jesus never went rogue. That's what he's saying in John 5, 19. I'm not going to do anything that's not in keeping with what the Father's will is. I'm not going to do anything that's not according to his agenda. Jesus said, what does God want from me? And that's what I'm going to do. What does the Father want from me? That's what I'm going to do. And, and if the Son of God, if God, very God, has that mentality about the Father's will, then men, we need to have that mentality about the Father's will, which is is a good transition to our, our third point about what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? Because uh, talking about the will of God, uh, what is God's will? What does that mean? What should I be doing? If I'm going to be submissive to the will of the Father, what is that, right? We want to get tangible and, and practical. 
First Thess chapter four, the apostle Paul says, for this is the will of God, your, what's the next word? Holiness. Holiness, your sanctification, right? Your Christ-likeness. And he goes on in that passage to talk specifically about sexual purity. But that applies, that's, that's an umbrella term that he, there that he's giving, that God's will fu- fundamentally and foundationally for every follower of Jesus, if we want to be like Jesus, is that we should be holy. Kellen, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's known often as the great exchange passage there, but how does it start talking about Jesus? It says, God made him to be sin who, what's the next phrase? Knew no sin. Knew no sin. Yeah. What, yeah, what's, what's that, what's he talk, saying there? He's saying he, he's sinless. He, he doesn't have any sin in his life, and, and that's our aim. We want to be more like Christ. We need to aim. We're not going to be perfect, but we should if you separate the word, sin less than we do if we don't have Christ. And that should be our goal, um, to live every day, to be holy, to be sinless, and know that that's, 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 our, that's what we're aiming after for our entire life. And uh, if we do that, then God will give us the strength. God will give us the wisdom. He will continue to, to guide our footsteps in that direction. Uh, for us to be sinless, uh, not perfect again, but aiming to be to sin less than we were doing before. Right. So, Brandon, that's something that I think probably resonates with all of our our listeners right now is the idea that to be a Christian is to pursue holiness, right? But what are some ways that our pursuit of holiness can be hijacked to where, yeah, maybe we're still pursuing holiness, but we're not pursuing Jesus as we're pursuing holiness. Yeah, I think we can get caught up into um, checking boxes, right? You know, like, I got to get up and read my Bible, you know, tomorrow, make sure I do that, or, you know, you make sure I pray tomorrow, and when it becomes that chore, that aspect of it, um, where you're just doing it to to check those boxes, and you're just doing it to kind of, you know, this is on my to-do list for the day, you know, I think that's where we can really struggle. I know that I struggle with that sometimes. It's like, man, I have so much to do tomorrow. You know, I I'll push the, the I'll push the daily Bible reading back to the end of the day uh, because I got to get this done bright and early tomorrow morning. Um, I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to follow what I'm supposed to be doing here, um, and it just doesn't work out that way. So I, I think we I think we can really get caught up in that kind of stuff. Whereas we just need to be focused on putting Christ first and all that we do and making those making decisions that right. revolve around that. Right, right. Jesus said a, a a disciple will be like his master when he is fully formed, and and that's what Christianity is about, man. It's about us becoming like Jesus. Um, even in, Paul in Colossians three, he says, "Look, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is." That's why we're seeking the things above. We're not seeking the things above because it's some esoteric call to spiritual elitism. We're, we're seeking the things above because that's where Jesus is. And we want to be with Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to know what Jesus loves, what Jesus hates. And, and even that concept, right? That's, that's what our, our aim in life. If you want to say, okay, where do I start with holiness? Then, then ask yourself, okay, what are, what are the things that Jesus loves? And what are the things that Jesus hates? And the Bible teaches us those things. I mean, we don't have to look hard for that. The Bible teaches us what Jesus is, is for and what he's against. And clearly he's against sin. And so we can start right there and say, okay, mm-hmm. do I have any sin in my life? And if, if I've got sin in my life, man, this is something that grieves my Savior. Yeah. Um, this put my Savior on the cross. And I don't want it, not because I, I want to be more acceptable to a human being, but I I, it, it grieves me that I've got this in my life and I'm okay with it when this is what put Christ on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just asking that, asking yourself that question of if I'm truly going to say Christ is the most important thing in my life, like what does that look like? And you can even look at 
you know, what is the most important thing in your life right now? And obviously Christ should far surpass that, but, you know, I, you can easily tell who a person is and what they're all about just by hearing them talk or the things that they do, looking at their calendar. Um, I had a conversation with a, a former coworker of mine this morning, and we were just talking because he asked me this very question. Is like, you know, when it comes to being all in for Christ or being in Christ and having Christ as number one in my life, um, he's like, yeah, you know, he's trying to work towards that. I got air quotes here, but he's trying to work towards that, and that, that doesn't happen. But I gave him this illustration of, you know, he's in fitness. If I put him on an island, I guarantee you, because fitness is number one in his on his priority list, he's going to find a way to work out. He's going to find a way to get that fitness uh, in to his daily routine. No question about it. Uh, but how much of if Christ is going to be number one in his life, how, how much is he working hard to be in God's word or to be praying, to have their relationship with Christ or be around other believers and um, go about it that way. So even just asking yourself, like, if I'm going to say Christ is number one in my life, like, what does that look like right now? How do I go pursue Christ above all else in my life and take it one step at a time and go, go do that? Whatever that, that is that comes to mind through prayer and even through, you know, engaging with other people, um, hearing what that means to be all in for Christ. Right, right. Brandon, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that uh, you love your wife, yes? Yes. Yeah. And how long have you guys been married? Uh, 12 years. Awesome. So uh, how hard is it for you to do the things that your life love, love your wife loves and, you know, not do the things that she hates? How difficult is that for it's, you? Uh, it's not hard at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's really easy. Yeah. yeah it's, it's second and, and nature it's, after it's 12 second, years. Yeah, after 12 years. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, I, it's, it's really important to me. It, it's really, really important to me, and I don't. I think about it every day. How can I please my wife? How can I make her happy? How can I serve her? You know, how can I be the best husband I can be? And is that a burden? To no, you? not at all. It's the the joy that is experienced through the result of that is you can't even calculate that, right? And right. so, you know, where we're going with this obviously is is the you know our love for Christ and our obedience to Christ right. and our serving of Christ should be even above and beyond that right. with our wives. You know, so right. well, and and it's not like. Like I'm, I'm guessing you don't have to come and, and meet with a group of men and, and talk about how much you love your wife, but how hard it is for you to actually like do the things that are yeah, about loving correct. your wife. Right. And yet that's what we it do with so Christ, good. right? Yeah. It's like, well, I love Jesus, but man, oh, it's yeah. so hard for me yeah. to love Jesus. Yeah. Isn't it hard for you to love Jesus? Yeah. And it, you guys may be sitting out there going, that's not a fair comparison. It, isn't it though? I mean, Jesus is a living savior. Yes. And it, there's a, a dynamic to a relationship with him. And I think I've asked this before on this podcast, but again, if we treated Jesus, if we treated our wives the way that we pursue our relationship with Jesus, I don't think any of us would have marriages that are doing well, right? Um, there's just an opportunity for us to grow so much in this cat- capacity and category of understanding that Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus. It's not a label that we wear. Um, just like, you know, wokeness or... or being, you know, progressive or being a Democrat or being a Republican or being, you know, a member of the NRA or being, or what, or National Nougat Day, right? I mean, so many labels that hang around in this world that people want to be able to identify and say, this is what's significant about this. Well, man, what's significant about you is Jesus. It's Christ. And that is the most significant. In fact, the, the, the pinnacle of the significance in your life is Jesus. Everything else has to do with your relationship with Jesus. Everything else in your life has to do with your relationship with Jesus and how you're pursuing him. He is our target, men. It's to be like Christ. And so 
Uh, as always, we will be praying for you along those lines and towards that end as you strive this week to be quality men of God.